0: Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Hope you are doing well on this Thursday. In today's show, the Christmas Eve debacle, why it's caused such a fuss and rightly so. Also, Conor Gallagher, his contract situation, why he may still leave Chelsea in January, as ridiculous as that sounds given his current form. Then Jadon Sancho being linked to Chelsea and Pochino's involvement in the club's transfer strategy. Before we get into any of that good stuff, please hit that like button. really does help the show out. Hit the subscribe button, turn those notifications on so you don't miss any of the content. I also want to say a massive thank you to those who listen via the podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, also part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It was quite cool to receive some data earlier this week that spoke about and sort of illustrated the, the international reach of the show. So if you are listening in any of those places, be that India, Spain, it was amazing to get some of that data, to be honest, and, and really humbling to, to see how many people listen to the show. So thank you for your support. But let's get into it. Firstly, with this Christmas Eve debacle, there's kind of no way around it. It is crazy. It's, it feels like stepping across another line, but we're going to get into all of that, some people's opinions, and then also the supporters trust statement, and hopefully a chance to reverse this decision. So firstly, let's go through Chelsea's confirmed December schedule in the Premier League. Of course, this may involve a Carabao Cup quarterfinal if Chelsea do make it through against Blackburn next week, but here it is. So Sunday the 3rd, Brighton at home, that's a 2 p.m. kickoff. Wednesday the 6th, Man United away, that's an 8.15 p.m. kickoff being broadcast on Amazon Prime. Sunday the 10th, Everton away, another 2 p.m. kickoff. Saturday the 16th, Sheffield United at home, a classic 3 p.m. kickoff. Then the controversial one, Sunday the 24th, Wolves away, 1 p.m. kickoff on Sky Sports. Wednesday the 27th Crystal Palace 7.30pm that's at home and on Amazon Prime and finally Saturday the 30th Luton away 12.30pm kickoff on TNT Sports. How crazy this is I the last time there was a game a Premier League fixture on Christmas Eve I wasn't even born in 1995 so that's how long it's been and uh, let's go through some of the reaction that I do agree with and I think make important points here Colin Miller, who is a journalist for the Mirror, says, Premier League football hasn't needed Christmas Eve football in 28 years. Why does it now? Were any match-going fans, players or coaches for whom the move is universally unpopular consulted? Were club staff, stewards, caterers, security? Football only ever follows the money. Then Don Russo, who is very high up within the Chelsea Sports Trust, vice chair, says there has been no consultation with supporters and it will force people to cancel Christmas plans with families. This is a spit in the face of all supporters regardless of your club. Then Stanford Chidge, the podfather himself. The issue around moving a fixture to X Eve is not just about inconveniencing supporters. We clearly have a choice to go or not. For me, it's more evidence that Sky and Premier League continue to treat match going supporters with contempt and don't give a damn about it. I completely agree with all that. And, you know, especially from a travel point of view, if you don't live in the UK, the train situation around Christmas is always bad. Um, that's not even with strikes, but it is something that generally you try to avoid if you can. That's even with regular train journeys, not even the most, uh, the, the longest distance ones, you know. But this, you know, London to the Midlands, to, to Wolverhampton, isn't isn't the most arduous journey you're going to do. But in terms of that time of the year, it is awkward. And I think Chelsea, you've pointed this out. Um, there's only like two direct journeys available, and that's not even considering... The potential timetable changes that could happen before then and also potential strikes that happened last year and that uh, could be likely at that time of the year anyway so it's a nightmare and yeah sure it is optional whether you go to the game or not if you are someone that likes to go to a lot of away games and you know the struggles of getting tickets and the points part of that that come with buying tickets Missing out can be a little bit detrimental, but I'd like to think that if this does go forward, there would be enough fans who just turn around and go, no, not for me, I'm not going. And then the empty seats on camera speak volumes to the broadcasters and to the Premier League that this is an awful decision. Because it just is. And all the nonsense we hear and the nice cliches and the way these broadcasters... I will get annoyed with the broadcasters, many people within it, like high-profile pundits who will go on rants and and get on their high horse about certain issues, but will stay absolutely silent about this. And I think it's obvious why, because they get employed and in some cases get paid, I'm sure, very favourably by these broadcasters. But this is a serious issue: the treating of supporters who are treated, in my opinion, and this is, you know, it's not to say that the people who, all these people who work in these organizations be that presenters pundits producers all don't care about football fans that's obviously a a, a silly sentiment a, a silly thing for me to say and i don't believe that but the actions of the governing bodies of this game and the broadcasters speak very differently to those who pay hard earned money to support the club it speaks to contempt it speaks to a belief and almost an attitude towards supporters the match going supporters that they are just background scenery they are just extras in a movie which is insulting and goes against everything we believe in supporting a football club and it feels more and more like that especially when you see kickoff times the late scheduling the late tv scheduling announcements that continue to happen I know the FSA continues to bring out statements about how ludicrous it is that in recent times we still have late announcements which obviously messes with people's schedules it's a nonsense and this feels like this is not a new issue, but this feels like we're going into a different level. And I think Chelsea, you've also pointed out, as others, maybe are uh, concerned by Christmas Day football and the push for that in the future, and the push for even more inconvenient kickoff times. And in the long term, financially, with the cost of travel, with the cost of tickets, with the cost of potential accommodation if you're going quite far, petrol if you, you know if you if you're, if you're driving up and down from these games empty stadiums what is that going to mean for broadcasters how is that going to be appealing to to broadcasters and the finances I just think this is a step too far and my hope is with this Chelsea Sports Trust released this statement in terms of potential uh, potential meeting to to maybe reverse this choice so let's go through what they said in their statement it is totally unacceptable that Wolves Chelsea has been scheduled for Christmas Eve since rumors began to circulate on this issue the supporters trust has been clear that selecting this kickoff time will place another hurdle in the way of many match-going supporters. Not only could this lead to staffing issues at Molyneux, but as we've already said, holiday transport timetables will further inconvenience supporters. On Tuesday the 24th of October, we requested an urgent meeting with the relevant decision makers within the Premier League. We expect that this meeting will be held very soon alongside the Wolves' 1877 Trust and the Football Supporters Association. The Supporters Trust will formally request that the Premier League properly consults supporters on this issue and that they reverse this decision. We will provide a further update to CST members in due course. Fingers crossed, but it's a bit like the Super League. Why did it get to this point? Even if the decision does get reversed, which is the right course of action and would be a win for supporters, it's a small. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Because in other ways, supporters will be screwed throughout the season. And that's the shame of it. And it's a... The broadcast debate and where that's going and the impact on match going supporters is a broader and more complex discussion to be had that isn't just chelsea based obviously and i'd be interested to hear your thoughts but this is a step too far and, and given what christmas eve means to to many people and and how tricky it is to to travel up and down the country for the players too for the demands on them at this time of the year i speak a lot about the demands on, on elite footballers being ridiculous at this point and that's maybe why we see especially at chelsea so many injuries to players now breaking down it's just it's even more of a nonsense so that's my feelings let me know yours in the comments below so let's move on to some transfer news the athletic did this piece breaking down the contract situations at all the premier league clubs so this is what that say about chelsea only three of the 27 senior players on the books at Stanford Bridge have fewer than three years remaining on their contracts, and those three are Thiago Silva, Conor Gallagher, and Ian Mattson. Chelsea are treating both this being Connor Gallagherini and Matson as open situations. So it is impossible to rule out one or both players signing new deals or being sold in January. That would be a particularly startling outcome in the case of Gallagher, who is a key starter for Pochettino and the on-field captain when Reese James and Ben Sherwell are injured. I mean, there isn't a lot to say about this. I mean, it's just it's absolute madness with Connor that there's even the chance of him leaving in January. Given what we have seen so far this season and what he has offered, I remember in the summer many people commenting on my shows when I suggested that Connor Gallagher should be given a second season. That that's just a nonsense. He should absolutely be sold. He's proved a lot of those people wrong. I hopefully changed the minds of people. He has played every game from Mauricio Pochettino and his performances, I think, along with Cole Palmer, who of course arrived a little bit later, has been Chelsea's best player so far this season. I think it's undeniable when you look at his influence, when you look at just his level of performance and also the way he's matured as a player in that role for Pochettino and taking the armband and looking so confident with it. It's just ridiculous that Chelsea could still be in a situation of of losing him midway through this season. And... um, in the case of Ian Matson, I mean, he's barely got into the first team. I mean, maybe that situation changes very quickly. I mean, a month ago, would any of us have said that Mark Correa was going to be close to the Chelsea first team? N- none of us, I think, would. Things change very quickly in football. But I think for Ian Mattson, that, that one feels a little bit more getting close to the exit door. And I think he'd have many suitors in January. In the case of Gallagher, it should be a no-brainer in terms of nailing that guy down for a long-term contract because he's such a wonderful talent. The Athletic also reported around Janis Sancho. So this is a long read and it's more to do with the situation. Rory Whitwell, I believe who's a Man United reporter, uh, wrote this. And it's an interesting piece if you want to learn about the where Janis Sancho is now, the lack of uh, good training from from Janis Sancho. But this is regarding his potential exit in January and where he could go. So this is what Uh, the report says United made inquiries with other clubs including Dortmund in the summer but nothing came to fruition and it is understood the Bundesliga team are not looking to do a deal for him in January for all his brilliant performances in Germany oversleeping and timekeeping were issues at times there too Juventus have been linked with an approach and some in the industry believe Sancho's connections to London the city he grew up in make Chelsea a possible option any move would need Sancho's agreement and as Ten Hag has discovered getting that can be easier said than done this feels like a silly season again. And uh, Sancho, it, it just is a little bit of a throwback link, to be honest, because I remember when he was at Dortmund 2019, 2020, around that time, he was one of the big names being linked. I remember it was the summer before we signed Werner and Havertz that from Bundesliga talents. like He was the one that many people wanted to see. And it was between it felt like it was going to be between Chelsea and Man United. And so many people wanted to see Sancho come to Stamford Bridge. And given what's happened at Old Trafford and given the way his career has gone since then and he hasn't adapted to life in the Premier League. Man United is a bit of a basket case like Chelsea. And I also think that we don't need another wide player. Like how many more wide players do you need? We've got Cole Palmer now who's playing an integral role. You've got Raheem Sterling who's playing well. You've got Mikhailo Mudrik. You've got Nani Manawake who in himself isn't playing a lot of football. So there's a sign of the issue there that I have touched on before about cluttering in an area. And we'll move on to this with the the final part of today's show in terms of where that key January target could be in the position, because I think it's quite obvious. Maybe two, actually. But the idea that Sancho, for that money, for the problems he's had, and in comparison to what we currently have within our squad, that we should be going anywhere near him. I'm not suggesting that Sancho is a busted flush. He's someone that can't go somewhere and and excel, or maybe even Man United still find his way there. But I, I just, I don't see the excitement. I don't see people making an argument that, yeah, we absolutely have to go and get Jalen Sancho because uh, he, he just hasn't thrived at Man United. And there's a lot of problems there. And I think there'll be better use of our transfer funds if we are going to spend it in January. So this gets on to the final story, Miguel Delaney. He goes on to say that in terms of the process. The Argentine will have a final say on any purchases after a collaborative process with the recruitment team which includes co-sporting directors Paul Winstanley Stanley and Lawrence Stewart and co-director of recruitment and talent Joe Shields. The model is described as more like Man City's where the manager will identify the type of tactical profile he needs then the staff come up with suitable names and the manager then decides on who to go for. Chelsea are expected to be one of the clubs that go for Brentford's Ivan Tony in the window as a number nine would still be preferred this gets to it right in terms of where Chelsea should will be focusing in January and it's obviously striker and we spoke about Victor Osman, we spoke about Ivan Tony. I I really like Ivan Sony. I I still think the big question mark over that is is how a player recovers and responds and returns after a period of isolation really um from football and and, and given the problems that, that may come from that but if we're just looking at his talent if we just look at the evidence of what he's done when he's been on the pitch in recent years Brilliant player, and he's clearly someone that the club. I mean, we've heard so many noises; they may feel it, it's the right time to move, and it would kind of break this model actually of of only signing players under the age of twenty four and twenty five, because uh, Ivan Tony's twenty seven. So pushing for one of those more experienced players that people like and people would want to see in the in the team, and uh, clearly as goal scoring pedigree within within the Premier League. And in terms of, I, I did speak about this and was a little bit dismissive over. The way it was reported by Fabrizio Romano, this gives it more context and more detail that I think sums up the importance here. And, and you know, because a few weeks ago, Fabrizio Romano was reporting Pochettino is going to have now all this power and final say. When you actually break it down like this, I think it's a lot more collaborative and a lot more sensible from the club. If this is the case of you have a tactical profile that Pochettino wants, you get a list of players, and then Pochettino decides who to go for. That feels very modern. That feels suitable, and it isn't just specialist players that the that the individual coach likes. Like this individual player, he's gonna request a certain profile. That's that makes a lot more sense to me, uh, rather than we go for a series of players that have only worked with the coach before. I think that's that makes a lot more sense because, of course, if you're gonna invest in a head coach, you want to have that collaborative feeling, but you've also got to be it a case where the the current head coach can't be a dictator. You can't have a squad moulded just by players the current head coach likes. And if you sack that head coach, you're screwed for the long term and you have to rebuild your whole squad again. Chelsea have had that problem. I get the sense that Man United are still going to have that problem given some of the players Ten Hag has signed. So I like this idea. I think it makes a lot of sense and Ivan Tony, I mean I, I've said before I, I do like the idea of Nicholas Jackson Armando Broy being given time and actually in recent weeks and I said this in added time on Monday with the way the midfields worked Nkunku actually now is going to be competing maybe for one of those front three spots rather than you have a 4-2-3-1 with one less central midfielder so then that in itself brings up another question I also think we've got AFCON coming up this, uh, or sorry, the start of 2024, where it looks like Nicholas Jackson is, is going to be the likely player out of the Chelsea squad to, to be involved with, of course, Senegal. And that may make the, the signing of Ivan Tony in January even more important. But that is it for this news video. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to watch it. If you did enjoy it, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Please give us five stars if you're listening on the podcast. That is the appropriate number of stars for Son of Chelsea. And I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.